It's time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Jack DeLeon and Sasha Little, and we're better known as the Roadworthy Drive crew. So glad you're able to spend some time with us. Now, for this hour, why China matters, a Tesla Model 3 update, and finally, we end the hour with taxation with electrification (laughs) as the three topics on deck for review and discussion. As usual, we'll take a dive for news from the parts bin, but first... If you're new to the program and want to add your voice, suggest a story idea, or ask a question, you can call or text the Roadworthy Drive Line. That number is 872-222-9793. If you're of the email persuasion, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you to me and the show. Now, speaking of the show, let me properly introduce my fellow partners in crime. I didn't do it. I did nothing. I'm innocent. Yeah. That, that's what <laughs> he always says. Executive producer, friend, and favorite of the suits, because he never is wrong. He never does it. It's not his fault. Mm. The man at the controls and the resident, the resident curmudgeon, Jack. Over at mic number two, she's the gal with the killer smile and with the facts to back it up. The sometimes caffeinated, always opinionated, roadworthy drives own social media diva, Sasha. Howdy, my people. That is way too long of an intro. You could just say, like, you know, Sasha, I think people know that I'm already amazing. Uh-huh. No no comment from the executive <laughs> producer. My monkey is not in this fight. Uh-huh. Excuse me. My gosh, I got a... Got a frog in your I throat? I got a frog in the throat today. You know, maybe we've got... Well, it's the weather. Yeah, those weather oh, fro- are crazy. Frogs are everywhere. Oh, and by the way... Yes, sir. One of our local television stations this week, uh-huh. we actually had, I kid you not, all four seasons in one week this week. Wait a minute. The we singing group was here? No. Oh. Mm-hmm. No. We had spring, summer, winter, and fall. Oh, my. All in the same week. All in the same week. Oh, I was and, about to say all in the same day, but... Well, you almost got close one day this week. But yeah, anyway, indeed. really fast, the, <clears throat> the caption of it said, all four seasons in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then and then put Iowa, colon, hold my beer. <laughs> Probably frozen I mean, we had, seasons. We had, what, three or four tornadoes? Yes. Yep. We had freezing weather. Yes. Yep. We had a lot of rain. Yep. And you snowflakes. Know. And snowflakes, yes. Although I was asleep. Uh, uh, I was of asleep. the water, excuse me, of the water kind? Yeah. Just so we're clear. Yes. Okay. And I was asleep during during the the snowstorm, air quotes. Uh-huh. Okay. Sir, what is in the parts bin this week? Um, a cargo e-bike. I saw that. That was Volkswagen's, right? Yes, sir. Uh, com- Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles is writing history in 2018 with the brand's first electric bike. It's a cargo e-bike, which is pretty cool. It's a last-mile deliverer, they call it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. The most advanced of its kind in the world. It's three wheels. Uh, you carry the cargo in front of the rider. Yep. Um, it's powered, and it's a pedal bike, actually, uh, with electric assistance. 
you get a 250-watt, 48-volt mid-mounted motor at speeds up to about, oh, 19 miles, 18 miles an hour. 18 okay. miles an hour. All right, so that's too um, bad. It can be used anywhere, even in pedestrian zones. Energy for the electric motor is supplied, surprise, by a lithium-ion battery. The drive and the rugged architecture of the cargo bike is designed for maximum payload, including the rider, of about 460 pounds. Wow. So if you back out a rider, say, average of about 160 pounds, that's 300 pounds worth of goods. Didn't I also see that this had baskets, like, over the back wheel? No, not, not, in, not in the picture that we've got here. Okay. Yeah, it almost but looks I'm like sure a, you could trick it out. Yeah, it almost looks like a, what do you call it, like a forklift. Basically, in a way, um, because it's right there in front and then they have it set down so much. So that way it doesn't interfere with like the site level because but, it's in front of the. But imagine if Correct. you could engineer one of those steam tables. For a street vendor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you could do your whole business right there. Talk about cost. You could put it anywhere. That's true. Combine that with like the ability to like square. So you'd have it on your cell phone to get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be able to go places where uh, even food trucks couldn't go. Yeah. No, that's no, that's true. Now, does that battery charge as the cyclist is pedaling? That's what I was going to ask. It, it really doesn't say that, but I would think that you would still probably have to plug it in at some point. I mean, you may get some regenerative motion to it but probably not enough to completely recharge the battery. Okay. I wonder if it's got a plug-in option where you can plug in like one of those uh, portable uh, solar panels. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. they've got them for the, cell phones. But now. the only problem is a solar panel for something like this doesn't generate enough electricity over time to be worth it. Oh, I was just curious. But it would be really cool, though, if you had the ability to be able to plug this thing in, you know, if you needed the extra juice while you were at wherever you were at. Mm-hmm. That Here, would be cool. Here's my question. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Are they going to make an industrial size Morphe for this? A what? Uh, Morphe. Morphe. Don't know what's what a Morphe is. A... Morphe is a... Oh, yeah. A, yeah. The a, little charging. A little charger oh. that you plug yeah. into your cell phone to charge it up I... when you're at the airport and you can't find... A plug-in. Well, I, and see, my thing is, is that we've got, like, the portable jumper cables, right? You know, mm. that little self-pack. Right. How difficult would it be to have these little... Again, maybe like backpack style or something like that, where it's a portable energy source for, I mean, not for your electric car, but for like these electric scooters. Welcome to capitalism. I'm sure somebody will come up. But here's one really cool thing. Um, with the two wheels in the front, and you would have never thought about this, but uh, the way that they've got innovative kin kinematics of the front axle ensure that the goods being transported on the load platform don't tilt when your bike is cornering. They stay horizontal and stable. It's tilt leveling. You know how bikes tilt when they turn? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. This one, you don't lose your load when you turn a corner. So it's like a gyroscope. Could be in a way, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to they're gonna actually produce this thing, and I can see this uh, in developed countries as the ultimate food bike. I mean, could you imagine something like this? I mean, even in Des Moines, right, where you have... Somebody who buys like five or six of these has five or six people out there and they're just delivering food like downtown. Like, is oh, geez, in yeah, the, in the market. If you had, if you had a hot box on this thing, oh, yeah, that would be awesome, right? Or go you even one step better, uh, replaces the ice cream truck. Oh, my goodness, no pollution, no noise, 
very local. No, no, no. I need the noise. I need that song. Oh, we I get the, the song. song. <laughs> well, but, yeah, I mean, the is not the problem here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can you imagine? I mean, the concept of where you can transport a whole new what way of Grubhub. Well, it brings mobility to a whole nother level. Yeah. Last mile delivery of small packages with the right kind of box on the front of it, which could be over the wheels to get some like added length. If you're at like one of those bike parks or something like that, or let's say you're you know, a bike you, trail, bike trail, and you'd stop over for a picnic and you order like pre-order on Grubhub that you want this here. And so the driver takes the last mile or, and they actually bring it to or you. Or better, yeah. if you set this up right, again, steam table or maybe a small hot plate right? Uh, for small meals, you could pull off on the bike trail somewhere and have hot food and maybe cold refreshment available for a price in a way that does not mess with the uh, environment, uh, traffic, noise, or something. It, yeah, the possibilities with something like this are endless. The only issue that I have with that... Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. It's a great capitalism thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to sell that food, you're going to get the health department involved. See, yeah. Uh, but and that's know, and that's where the problem is. But you know what? Not a problem. You got to be inspected. Yeah. Food trucks are inspected. That's true. Not a big deal. If yeah. that's what the case is, not a big deal. And they deal. still have those coolers. Remember those coolers and those those hot that it would keep your food either hot or cold, and you charge it what, at home. What I would and it was expect, like electrical. What I would expect to see on this thing so is, is, is your steam table or your preparation table in front, your supplies as a saddle bags mm-hmm. mounted in the back. You know, and it may even tow something, and that would be extreme. But uh, you could do short venue type things. Um, you know, this this. I just see a lot of possibilities. There's a lot. Like, I mean, yeah. I could definitely see, especially if they can like gear up that electric, electrical current. Like maybe get like a larger model. If you're yeah, but use th- it. then you get trade offs of weight yeah. charging. You're true. The thing very true. Um, but yeah, this is really cool, and I would not be surprised to expect to see this in big cities in the next three to five years. I would agree, I would agree with that because we as we know a lot more people are moving back to our downtown. Now. Yeah, and yeah. a food truck isn't always the best way to go. Imagine going up into like a uh, a uh, building complex mm-hmm. where you could be in the courtyard and yeah. offer food. So yeah, food thing to think about coming to a place near you a cargo e-bike when we return topic a is all about why china matters to you and it's not what you think real facts real opinions real talk you are tuned into roadworthy drive roadworthy drive is a cornerstone of the roadworthy drive radio network Circles around the other car. 
Yes, owners say their new Henry J rides better than cars costing twice the price. Even on the roughest roads, the new Henry J zips along thanks to new velvet road springing that soaks up the bounce and gives you a wonderfully smooth and steady ride. Yet it costs less to buy, less to drive, less to maintain. No wonder the Henry J is America's new favorite. Yes, this is the car that belongs in your garage today. The new 52 Henry J. Okay, Ken, what in the world is a Henry J? I've never heard it. Uh, and there's a good reason. Um, first <laughs> of all, folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive. I am Ken Chester, and along with Jack and Sasha, we're the Roadworthy Drive crew. Now, there's an interesting two things. One, the Henry J was actually a vehicle built in the early 1950s by the Kaiser Frazier Corporation. Okay. But the Henry J was actually marketed for a couple of years by a major uh, retail chain that was not automotive. Okay. Uh, it was actually sold and rebranded. And uh, extra points if you know, if anybody knows. I have no clue. Sasha? I'm not. No, my dog's not in this one. Okay. Uh, it was known as the Allstate. It was sold by Sears. Oh. Wow. For a couple of years. The Henry J was supposed to be an inexpensive option to used cars. It was a small two-door. Uh, it was inexpensive. We'll put it that way. Never really sold all that well. Um, About built like a Yugo? Well, most things back then were built like a Yugo. Is it because it was sold by Sears? No, actually. Kaiser Frazier was one of what they called the, sm the little independent five. You had the big three automakers and the small five. They were one of the small five. Was it? Why did I they think also, Tucker? Uh, no, they weren't Tucker. Um, and I know why you're going there, but we're not going to go there. Come on. No. It's not really in the weeds. No. I mean, it's kind of. No. Well, I think no. that we need to play no. tribute to Tucker. No. Uh, by the way. Yes. Before we get to the topic at hand, <laughs> yeah. we have an announcement. Well, before we get to all of that yet, oh. I want to finish this. Um, <laughs> Kaiser Frazier also built the first, uh, when they merged with Willys, built the first Jeep. Really? What? Yeah. what? Yeah, I have uh, the remnants of the Kaiser uh, found of Fraser, Kaiser Frazier became the Jeep Corporation, which was bought by General. I'm sorry, American Motors, Motors. in 1970. Right. Um, the reason why um, I wanted to feature the Allstate mm -hmm. is as of today, as of this recording, if it hasn't happened already, Sears filed for bankruptcy. When? Either today or tomorrow. Yeah. If it hasn't happened yet today, oh, it will happen tomorrow. Yep. Yep. They're, they're going to miss a $135 million payment. And oh, I wanted right. to pay homage. Uh, one interesting little tidbit. The Allstate was not the first car ever sold by Sears. What was the first car that was sold by Sears? Um, they called it a Sears motor buggy, I believe. Sears motor buggy. And it was actually sold by the Lincoln Car Works, no relation to Lincoln Motor Car Company. Okay. From 1908 to 1912. They built it, and Sears marketed it as a Sears motor buggy, and that was the first uh, self-propelled vehicle Sears sold. The Allstate was second, and to my understanding, the last. A little bit before my time. 
Yeah. But you were saying, sir. Well, that's all I had. You were going to mention something? No, I said before we get to the topic in hand, you wanted to make an announcement. That was it. So first thing. No, 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 no. Read the script. Read the script. The script is already Ah. done. We've burned it. Let's get to China. Hold on before we get to China. (laughs) Before we tend to the topic at hand, it pays to go to pre-production meetings, Sasha. I want to give a shout out to our home station, News Radio WHOAM 1040 here in Des Moines. Thank you, listeners, for your support as we enter into our second year on our home station. It always feels good to be home. That was what Jack wanted me to make sure I read. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. Second year? Second year. Second year. Yes, ma'am. Why does it feel like 30? Right? S- sometimes it just does. <laughs> I'm 40. On, that, on that note, China. China. Thank you. Currently known as the world's largest automotive market, yes. what happens in China has consequences for consumers and automakers around the globe. Yeah, it does not stay in China. It's not like Vegas. Yeah. Remember when the U.S. used to be the largest market? No, I don't. I was born in 81. Oh, my. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> um, and we've said it here before, India is pegged to be the number three market mm-hmm. by 2021. Bear in mind the two most populated countries in the world, China and India. Where is Africa? Uh, well, Africa is a continent, not a country. There's some 60 different countries no, in Africa. No, there was something that I read somewhere this uh-huh. week. Hold Are we going to get to that? Hold that thought. Okay. We're going to talk about this right All now. Right. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with why the future of electric cars uh, lie in China. Uh, to be blunt, because most of the electric cars on the road were built there. Right now. Yeah, but doesn't it, I mean, also with China, you're also talking about that's where the tech is. And don't they have, like, very, very stringent... Let, um, let me help you with that. Go ahead. It's a communist country. They can dictate what they want done. Yeah, I know, Sasha. Just try to hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, if only you could see the snark I'm getting from her right now. I love that you give me this attitude like I never read a book. Oh, my. Um, there are 500 electric car companies in China. 500. 500. Independent? Yeah, well. I mean, it's not like. As independent like, as they can be in that country. Well, you know you. what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like Toyota and Lexus. You're not counting. Sort of. Um, they're not all state-owned. Okay. All right. But there are 500. What, what has pushed the electric need in China? The government. Pollution. Yeah, and the Thank government. Thank you. And the government. Exactly. Yeah, but and the government, Mm -hmm. because the government is dictating and can give incentives, which they're doing in order to basically support and grow this industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're exploring some cities in China right now that might even outlaw the internal combustion engine completely. Just going to say. Oh, isn't that special? Stringent. Yeah. Speak up, Sasha. I I was trying to. And Uh then, you know, Uh things happen when I try to. Mm -hmm. Um, If... If China decided or insisted that a quarter of new licenses be given to electric vehicles over the next five years, it would add just that action would add 25 to 30 million uh, electric vehicles all by itself. Yeah. So that's what's that's what's happening. There's as Sasha said, there's technology, there's government government involvement where they can mandate it. And it's probably going to be a shakeout as the government chooses which industry, which companies get to go forward, and they'll probably force some mergers because it's not even as big a country as China is, 
is not sustainable at that rate. So here we go. Over the past year, we have been following the trials and tribulations of Tesla as they labored mightily to produce its market Model 3 sedan. For Topic B, we bring you up to speed with what's going on. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. Real facts, real opinions, and real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Sasha Little and Jack Delion, a.k.a. the Roadworthy Drive crew. We're glad you could join us. For those of you who want to know more about the crew or learn more about the show, be sure to check out our website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. We have audio clips of past shows, video and audio of our behind-the-scene antics, in-studio, and so much more. For those of you who are truly mobile... You can find us on Google Play, Blueberry Podcasting, and Stitcher. If you're a regular in the world of social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sasha is our social media diva who keeps things fun and fascinating during the week between shows. Check out her inspirational and thought-provoking posts. You'll be glad you did. Now, Tesla. Everybody? Tesla! Tesla. This is the company that almost single-handedly made electric cars and SUVs cool. cool. We've been watching with interest over the past year as the company struggled to birth a mass-market electric car that was more affordable, the Model 3. Seems like, at least for now, the company is starting to make good on its production numbers. (laughs) And as they say, and yes, there's more. You ready for this bombshell? Go. Tesla outsold Mercedes-Benz in the U.S. last quarter. What? what? Yeah. Wait. Mer- but Mercedes actually has an electric car, right? They have all the models. And what they're saying is Tesla's three models, the Model S, the Model X, and the Model 3, mm-hmm. outsold everything Mercedes was selling in the United States last quarter. Wow. That's electric and conventional? Everything. Wow. 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 You know what? Wow. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. No, keep going. That's 69,000 Model 3, S, and X vehicles out of the 83,000 they sold worldwide, compared to Mercedes-Benz 66,542. They beat them solid. I want to let that sink in. Well, and here's the other thing. When you start getting into the Mercedes, the Audis, and the um, BMWs, those are starting to get some really high-priced cars to start, but not not that high. You can buy and you can buy a Mercedes C-Class in the low to mid thirties. Your average Tesla right now, your Tesla Model Three going out the door, yeah, is forty nine thousand dollars. So it's not like it's cheap, and the Model S and the Model X are more than that. Do you think the uh, the bragging rights for their safety ratings has anything to do with it, or do you think it's like? Do you think it's like um like a Starbucks? Do you think that having a Tesla has become like a social, 
you know what I'm saying? Like a cool kid's badge. Yes and yes. Just okay. like Honda 30 years ago. Right? Exactly. And everybody wanted yeah, yeah. Honda I mean, Civic. Like, like we said. Hatchback. Like we said. Elon has made owning an electric vehicle cool. And importantly, uh, like I said, I wouldn't bet against the guy. According to uh, a research from Atherton Research, they believe Tesla's on pace to outsell both Mercedes-Benz and BMW in passenger vehicles in the U.S. during the fourth quarter of this year. And what my question becomes is at what point does Elon decide that he's going to go after the bread and butter of Ford and Chevy with their pickup trucks? He won't. No. You don't think so? No. Nah. There, there are limits to what they can do. Ah. You know, and, and he, he, spread, he spread so thin right now. Yeah. Now, they it, believe that Tesla's producing vehicles at an annualized pace of 320,000 units. Mm. We didn't think they could do it. So I'm impressed. But there's more. Always is. Since last summer, 2017, you wait for it, Elon Musk, since a year ago summer, mm-hmm. has now built over 100,000 Model 3s. Wow. Yeah, but when you compare that to, like, what comes out of a Ford... Yeah. Oh, but wait a minute. Okay. This last quarter... Oh, no. Fifth best-selling car, Tesla Model 3. Wait, wait. O- of all of them? Only Hondas and Toyotas have beat them. <gasps> wow. The Honda Accord, Honda Civic, Toyota... Uh, Camry? Uh, ca- no. To- well, Toyota Corolla, oh, okay. Toyota Camry. What? Number five, Tesla Model 3. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and at what point is he going to literally have to start putting a dealer network together? He won't. He won't. Don't need to. Why would you add that extra expense? Why would you have to do that if what you're doing is working? Yeah. Well, because at some point you're going to have way a lot more demand and not enough people to deliver the vehicles. You do realize right now what Tesla tells you, you only need to visit the dealer once every two years. Okay, but where is that dealer going to be for me to visit? Um, in our case, you're within 200 miles, but anything that you need in the meantime, get this now. You. Tesla will come to you. Yeah, they come to you. Bear in mind, give you an idea. You're looking at roughly 200 parts uh, for an electric vehicle in terms of its running gear, as opposed to 2,000 parts for an internal combustion engine. I mean, less ev- stuff to break. And every car depreciates. I mean, that it's not an asset, right? But my point is, is that when you buy a Tesla or when you buy an electric vehicle, and in this case, we're going to say Tesla, but when you buy a Tesla, you don't have to worry about that small little plastic part. Like, you don't have to worry about five years in when all the warranties you know, die out and all of a sudden that bright, shiny Mercedes, you know, something small goes wrong with the with the engine or something like that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about oil changes every... You don't have to worry about transmission fluid or the transmission flush. You don't have to worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. You literally spend the money up front and you just go. Since I'm still blowing your minds, check this out. It took 14 months to get the first 100000 It will take less than six months to build the next. Wow. Model 3s. We said he couldn't do it, but guess what? The boy is doing it. And... May I add, not only is he selling more and more Model 3s, sales of the Model S are up. Sales of the Model X, sport utility, are up. So even his existing models, they're selling more of them. Yeah, and the I think to answer, really... to answer uh, 
Uh, Sasha's question, yes. The cachet of being the cool kids, uh, the safety things, all of that. And I'm going to jump to this. They crashed a Model 3. Five stars. Yep. Wow. Again, because remember, the uh, the Model S was the one that, quote, unquote, broke the safety standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Broke it. Yeah. Never, ever has any car s- scored as high as the Tesla Model S. And then the Model 3, when they decided to do it. Now, I got to be fair and give you full disclosure because I wanted to wait for the more comprehensive Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Testing. They did a front crash prevention test superior. They have not done the other ones. So we'll see how it does, like small overlap front, driver and passenger, moderate overlap front, side, roof strength, head restraints and seats, head and latch ease of use, which is for the child safety seats. Mm-hmm. That all has yet to be tested by the IIHS. So we'll see how it does because they're more comprehensive than the federal testing is. Yep. yep. But basically, uh, is a lot to love in the Model 3. And in spite of everybody, the man's delivering. Coming up for our final topic, taxation with electrification. Who thought this would be a good idea? <laughs> real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. The executive producer is not responsible for this next statement. Oh, my. Oh, I'm going to dig in on this one. Are you thinking that somebody's going to get rant-worthy here? Oh, Oh, yes. Oh, I'm going to dig in on this one. Um, If you're just tuning in, this is the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I am Ken Chester, and along with Jack and Sasha, we are the Roadworthy Drive crew. Mm. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm about to talk about, I'm not sure who's going to run louder, Sasha (laughs) or me. Um. And let, let me give you the setup. Yeah, set it up for them. So that way they can put their I'm gonna dogs start, in the I'm going to start with, you knew this was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought it would take a little longer for it to happen, to be honest with you. Yeah. I yep. really did. Yep. But here we are. They were number five, though. Sooner or later, somebody would get the harebrained idea mm-hmm. that taxing electric vehicles was something that was brilliant and good and true. And uh, awesome. No. Not everybody's on board with that, including at least two-thirds of the Roadworthy Drive crew. Uh, Why don't you make it 100%? And by the way, the following rant by anybody in this room (laughs) is not... It's okay. It's okay. The suits want to be excluded from this, and (laughs) you, sir, will be paying all the fines if we screw this up. Uh, No, we will not screw this up. Okay, now before we go on the rant, (laughs) I have a few points to make. And I do too, but you go ahead. All right. Earlier in a show, I think it was last year, Jack pointed out when we were talking about electric cars, electric cars aren't paying the gas tax. Mm-hmm. Electric cars aren't contributing to the, um, you brought up another tax. Road fund. The road fund. Electric cars are also going to cost your community um, with the repair shops, your Jiffy Lube, and so on and so forth. That's revenue that's no longer coming in. That is tax dollars that is no longer being collected. Okay, now I understand it's minuscule, 
But in the grand scheme of things, these are things that if you have a community that all of a sudden decides that they're going to cut out uh, combustion engines, and even if just 30% of the population, just throwing that number out there, decides that they're going to give up their combustion engine car and go for electricity, you're going to see a direct impact in proceeds. Now, so when you're talking about taxation, I have to pay devil's advocate. And I got two hands up, so I'm going to go with Jack because he's wearing a hat. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. No? I'm, I'm not. Okay, here's my question. Mm-hmm. We, talk, we talked about electric cars. Yep. I asked the question, well, who's going to pay, who's going to pay the declining revenue from registration because there will be, according to everybody else, less vehicles on the road. Well, that's true, too. Well, but who's I wasn't getting pay, into that. Who's, okay, hold who's, on on who's going to pay the electric tax? And quite honestly, yes, things evolve. I understand this. But this time, compared to 100 years ago, when the auto industry put the horses, out, quote, out of business. Right. You've got the same thing going on here, except the number this time is going to be more exponential because of all of the other industries that are tied to the auto industry. Yeah. Let, let, Gas stations, repair shops, that kind of stuff. Right. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Yeah. So many things. So many. Let, let's start with one. And so little time. Yes. Number one, electric vehicles will not necessarily reduce the number. That's autonomous vehicles, and that's another conversation because they're not mutually inclusive. They may not be mutually inclusive, but you can't tell me at some point, again, like Sasha says, the Chinese thinking decades out, that somebody here thinking decades out being me going, okay, at some point, maybe in my lifetime, we're going to have a situation where I'm afraid that as a combustible engine guy anyway, that all of a sudden when we start getting less vehicles, my ability to register my vehicle is going to start exponentially going higher. Okay, but you missed the point. Going electric is not going autonomous. Autonomous vehicles will reduce the number of vehicles. Going electric, you can still own an electric vehicle like people do today. You can go out and buy a Tesla and still drive it, still have to register it. Let's be clear. Number one, what's your health worth? The impact of all those pollutants we've been putting in the air, what's yep. your health worth? I know that. There right. are other benefits that, the, uh, that this offsets. Also, you're still going to have body shops. They ain't going away. Even Teslas get in accidents. It happens. Again, electric car versus autonomous car. The bigger issue is autonomous, and that's not the point of this conversation right now. We're just talking about a propulsion system. The larger issue is you're going to have, in place of gas stations, you're going to have charging stations. We're seeing that growth in our own community right now. Okay, so the taxation on the electric cars, Ken, where do you fall with that specific? I don't like how they're approaching it. Uh, basically, let's give you an example. Okay. Uh, Mississippi, they are, they are putting a flat tax. It started October 1st, $75 for hybrids, $150. Uh, for total electrics, if you're 100% electric, 150. This is on top of your regular tag fees that you're paying what? at registration or renewal. Wow. Yeah. Okay. A year. Yes. They're going to charge me a hundred dollars. 
If you're driving a pure electric in the state of Mississippi, in addition to your tag fees, in addition to your insurance, in addition, you will pay another $150. Now, they said it's going. this revenue is going to the state highway fund, infrastructure department, transportation. Okay, hold it. I am, I am an Iowan. I go to Mississippi. I have an electric car. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be subject to part of that tax? No. no. You don't able, register. To be able to Until, charge? If you move to Mississippi and register your car there, yes. Okay, if you're driving now, through there, now, no. If I'm a resident of Mississippi... I'm getting it. I'm getting. I'm lawyering up because that is discrimination. Ah. Well, okay, but here's my thing. And I, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay, well, before you do that, there's of another course. point I need to make. Yes. Okay. Okay. On the on a similar thing at the federal level, they want to kill the EV tax credit completely. Right now, it phases out when an automaker sells two hundred thousand or more. It goes to zero. Elon Musk is on that verge, so we'll see how he does when they don't have the federal tax credit. Right now, there's a uh, senator from a state who should remain nameless, but uh, also produces coal and gas, and it's not Texas, uh, that wants to eliminate it completely. I think that's stupid, too. I mean, there are ways to do this, but I don't think that going after individual owners is the way to do it. I think you can do it uh, with uh, novel things. I've heard, like, parking fees, other things. There's other ways to work this in. But you shouldn't penalize. You should be working to encourage folk uh, because of the fact that there are health benefits, less uh, hard, uh, less heavy chemicals, a whole lot of other benefits that this thing offsets. Well, with that, we come to the end of this incredible hour. We will track this even more. Thanks for listening. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This has been Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.